Hi, and welcome back to The Core. My name is Nick Mombello, and each week I bring you conversations with inspiring people that can add value to the world and who we can learn from in order to improve our lives and improve who we are. This week on the podcast, I have a friend of mine from school who I recently realized is interested in many of the different health endeavors that I am also interested in, and I wanted to chat with him about what he's currently doing in order to be his best self. Mason Tawtry was a teammate of mine on the lacrosse team in college and somebody who I recently reconnected with and have really enjoyed talking with about health and different different aspects kind of going on in our lives over the past couple months. Additionally, this week, I am excited to introduce a new partnership that I've made with Dr. Paul Saladino's new supplement line, Heart and Soil. Heart and Soil is a nose-to-tail supplement company offering the highest-grade grass-fed and grass-finished organ meats that I can find on the market. If you are not already aware, I'm a huge advocate for organ meats and eating nose-to-tail. However, I know it's not always the most convenient or honestly the most appetizing. Heart and Soil makes it easy and convenient to improve your health, getting the vitamin A, D, K2, B12, and a host of other nutrients and peptides that will really help move the needle in the right direction. Simply put, animal foods eaten nose to tail are the ultimate multivitamin for humans, containing all of the nutrients that we need to thrive in the most bioavailable forms and also without any of the toxins found in plant foods. If you'd like to try these supplements and improve your health, the coupon code THECORE10, so T-H-E-C-O-R-E-10, will get you 10% off your order and also help support the show so I can continue providing the conversations that I do. I had a lot of fun talking with Mason in this episode. I hope you enjoy the conversation that we had about health and wellness. Thank you for listening to the show, and again, Thank you for all your support that you provide. Morning, Mason. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Really happy to sit down and talk with you. Um, I've seen the stuff that you've done on Instagram, and I realized that you were kind of in the same path as I was, kind of trying to learn as much as we can about health and wellness and wanted to sit down and just have a conversation with you to see what you're doing on your end to see if it can help a little bit on my end as well. So thank you for being here, and welcome to the core. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Um, to start, could we dive into your background a little bit? What was childhood like and what started your interest on the health and wellness um, <laughs> path? Yeah. Um, let's see. Childhood. Well, I grew up, my mom was a really good cook. So she, I would like, I definitely grew up blessed in terms of like always eating quality food. She was always cooking. I'd be like kind of over her shoulder sometimes in the kitchen but still to me, I was like bewildered by the whole process. I, I couldn't do it myself sort of thing, but I was very much used to like not eating fast food and, and like, you know, not eating the processed crap that most, I guess, you know, consider the American diet. Right. So yeah, I guess I didn't fully get into cooking though until probably not like recently, like when I ever decided to really dive into it. Um, so I guess that's probably like the childhood connection there is just having a family who like we had sit down dinners, like we, we ate together, we made our food. So I'm like, you know, I go to the grocery store with my mom, like those weren't foreign things to me. Um, so when I got older and I had my own place, you know, we graduated the Coastal Academy and you go get your first house, you got a kitchen, you, you know, fend for yourself now, which I'm sure you had the same experience. <laughs> You're like, okay, do I go to Chipotle every day 
or do I go to the grocery store and pick up produce and go buy meat yeah. and spices and you know seasonings and, and make a meal? And the easy approach, especially when, you know, we just got out, we graduated 21, 22, is like, yeah, dude, just go to Chipotle. Let's go get drinks with the boys. Let's, like, get cold cuts and just throw them on, you know, white bread or whatever. Um, and, I, you know, I had roommates who would do that. And then, like, I slowly started to get more comfortable with, like, yeah, going to the grocery store, getting, like, a full list, getting all, mm-hmm. the, all, the, all the goodies. Yeah. Luckily, I had, like, certain friends with me, uh, some older on the boat. This one guy uh, I worked with. Dude, we'd get together and he we'd spend six hours making like homemade like tomato sauce or making like homemade um like pho or yeah or like ramen right like like really quality like ingredients that took a while so i started to like sort of get used to the idea that like okay like good things take time like a slow roast mm-hmm. like that's how you can get way more flavor out of things than if you just yeah like air fryers i have one they're great they're simple but like putting in a, you know, a, like a lamb shank with, with a bunch of herbs and potatoes and, mm-hmm. and onions and stuff and like a tomato sauce, letting it go for like four or five hours on like real, real 225 sort of thing. Like, dude, nothing's better than that. So, so yeah, like that, I started to get like more used to that. And then the last year and a half, um, I don't know what clicked, man. I just like one day, I'm like a self-experimenter for sure. I was like, let's, uh, let's try keto. I heard of that. Let's, <laughs> let's see what that's like. You know, why sure. not? Like fat for fuel. That sounds silly. Let's see if it's possible. So that's definitely like my mindset. It, it sounds like yours is similar of like, you know, before the podcast we were talking about uh, uh, like just how many different rabbit holes you can go down. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, so sometimes just it's like pick one and go for it and self-experiment. Cause like even in sort of the dogmatic ones, the like overzealous carnivore community vegan community right like there's still some truths yeah in there somewhere right and it's up to you to hopefully like grab tidbits from each and then create your own world right that works for your schedule your lifestyle your exactly you know, community so so yeah keto was it for me I, I jumped on the keto train i got on uh what keto answers podcast anthony gustin i think was my okay. first one I, I started to listen to and that's when I just started like he was having, you know, just like you have for right now, like guests on who were nutritionists, physiologists, like some farmers, like just like everyone related to like the food and health and nutrition sphere. And that's when you start to learn all the different angles of like, oh, like it's more than just like eating fat. Yeah. It's more than just like not eating animals or not eating plants. Right. It's like so many elements to it you start to like peel back the layers and realize how complex it is. And then you realize how little, you know, <laughs> so, right. Like, um, so yeah, I went like, I was on the keto world for a bit. I got into like Saladino in the carnivore world. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you listened to Ben Greenfield, listen to him a little bit just about health and wellness. Um, recently I'm listening to Paul check. I don't know if you've heard of him living 4d. Yeah. Paul check is awesome. Dude, the check Institute and like their whole program is wild, man. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I, I've, been listening, that, but. I've been listening to Paul check ever since he started his podcast and mom, I was introduced to Paul check like years ago. My mom liked Paul check. And so I've kind of known the name for mm-hmm. like 10, 15, I don't know how many years. Uh, yeah. and then really enjoyed his podcast once he started it. So, yeah, definitely. So I guess, um, hopefully I've summed up a little bit of, yeah, like the, just giving you some sort of guidance on yeah. where I started to where no, I that's am. Great. Um, um, going into yeah. the, 
like getting out of college time frame. Uh, yeah. My wife, Madison, worked at, we were in Astoria, which there's like no fast food, essentially. I've been the Astoria, restaurant so options beautiful. are pretty limited. Mm. And, and she worked at a food co-op. So we got all really good food at a discounted price and just nice. really dove into the whole cooking aspect as yeah. young adults, you could say. <laughs> um, and we've been doing it ever since. We've really enjoyed it. Hell yeah, so, man. Um, we both come from the academy and it's a spot where sleep is treasured, you could say, but you don't get oh it very God. often. Um, what have you, what have you learned from, what have you learned about sleep? And then how have you tried to get your sleep better since graduating from the academy? Yeah. And just to give you listeners some more context, talking about just sleeping this jam at the academy, like, you know, people would go, to great lengths to get naps under their desks to close their door and say they're changing just to get like 15 minutes or sleeping in study halls. Mm -hmm. You know, we would, I was getting regularly like probably five, between five hours and six hours of sleep a night for four years. Right. I while heard playing um, rugby the other while, day. Yeah. Uh, if you're below seven, you're in survival mode. Um, oh my God. Below seven hours. So your body is just trying to survive. I would yeah, regu regularly go to bed past 10 and I would wake up at four for hockey pretty much every day. So 10 to four, six hours, but you're not getting the full six hours in the time you're in bed. So yeah, exactly. I, I just can't imagine what we did to our bodies during those four years. Yeah, man. So not to toot our own horns, but like the fact that you're four years of like just the mental drain, the emotional drain, academics, athletics, military sort of lifestyle. Like you could tell, I saw people just come out of there crushed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then once you get in the real world, you realize, oh my God, we live in this academy bubble. Like now you have spare time, you have your own apartment, you're not surrounded by coasties, you're not being told to wake up, put on a uniform, all parts of your life. So yeah, now, uh, now my sleep protocols, let's see, like, first off, as you know, like, I know sleep is like this, it, it, it's, it's one of the pillars of health, right? Mm -hmm. You know, breathing, exercise, sleep, yeah. mindfulness, um, like sleep's probably one of the biggest levers from what I've heard that's going to move the needle in terms of like performance, recovery, um, nutrition, all that energy levels. Yeah. So um, I'm a big believer in... <laughs> And I'm not doing it right now, unfortunately, because I'm in a temporary living situation. But in my long-term apartment, I will set up like a cave. Mm -hmm. Dark, cold, and, you know, like I don't want any lights. I don't want any, any distractions. Like I want to get into, right? Because from what I've heard and read is that that's how you get the, like, the deepest sleep is if you can bring your body temperature down, right? Mm -hmm. um, like you don't want to be like night sweats is terrible. I, I have a chili pad, it's called. It's a, I don't know if you ever heard of that company. I, I believe so. It just makes yeah, you colder, right? Chili Technology is the name of the company. Um, yeah. But I got the Uller pad uh, recommended. I heard about it on Ben. You ever heard of Ben Pikulski, Muscle Intelligence? No. Oh, dude, we'll talk about him later, but dude, you'd okay. love him. Um, but yeah, he introduced this on his show. He's like his sponsor, but it's yeah, essentially a pad that lays under you that you have a, uh, an air handling unit next to the bed that runs cool water through it. So it exchanges right on, over like the, the, heating or cooling coils whatever right sure. it blows air in over this water pushes the water in beneath you but it connects to your you have an app 
it connects uh, over your Bluetooth and you can set it like an alarm. So like oh, that's 10 cool. p.m. 10 p.m. it hits 60 degrees. And it's, you know, <laughs> it slowly cools down and then I get into bed in like a nice like you, you cold sheets. It stays cold. And yeah. then like I want to wake up at 6 a.m. set for like 5.30 p.m. to start to slowly like, bring up the temperature to like, you know, 80 degrees, 90 degrees. So then mm-hmm. by the time it's seven, 6 a.m. or whatever, I want to wake up, the bed's warm. So like now circadian rhythm, your, your cortisol, like all that stuff starts to kick in. Now you get, you open the blinds, get the light and like you're awake. Sort that's of pretty cool. So that's one little hack I, uh, I added into my life. Yeah. Uh, the other one is the aura ring. You're familiar mm-hmm. with the aura ring? Yeah. I have one. I, it's actually charging right now. I don't have it. Oh, on right me. on dude. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that thing is just great. Like it's funny cause I'll, you know, people will ask me like, Oh, like nice ring, bro. Like thinking that's like something like I'm just yeah, yeah. like, I got some style. I'll be like, yo, it's uh, it's pretty useful too. And I'll like pull <laughs> it off and show them the sensors and they're like, what is this? Like you're tracking your sleep, like from your finger, that doesn't work. And I like start to go down the rabbit hole of like, well, if you go on their website and you look, they've compared it to like an EEG sleep machine and like, correlated the data to show that it's like actually really accurate um to like professional like like i don't know like research yeah. grade technology um so like i guess it's pretty legit man and their and their app for anyone that doesn't have it is like awesome dude. it gives you all your stages your sleep tells you your readiness scores i, I look at it like a good what a feedback mechanism for mm-hmm. your biology telling you like like today i went out i had some drinks last night i was on a date i didn't get great sleep because of that, I woke up uh, early feeling groggy. I looked at my score and of course it reflected that, you know, I had like yeah. a 67 on my sleep score and I was like, yeah, uh, I need to you know, take it easy today. Maybe take a nap later or just do some sort of, uh, you know, passive movements that'll help me recover better later. You know? and have, you, have you noticed that you've been able to correlate whether you eat later at night, you're up watching screens late at night and then your score the following morning? Yeah. Sometimes it's like, it's like so obvious and sometimes it's a little bit gray area. Right. Like sometimes I I can't like right now I can't quite hack. Like why can't I get better REM sleep? Mm -hmm. Because like, you know, uh, and I find most people are confused. They think REM sleep is like the deepest level of sleep, which I only learned this from the aura app that like it isn't. And I usually, I have this similar sleep pattern every night Mm -hmm. is that you go into deep sleep fairly quickly uh, in the first third of your sleep. Yeah. Right. Uh, And then you start to come into like, the the low level of sleep which is just like a stage above deep sleep and then like i'll be between this light sleep and rem sleep sort of fluctuation but like the last third of my of my sleep i don't know is yours similar yeah i and i think that's kind of similar across Standard. the board for people yeah yeah which is cool because i always thought like rem sleep i'm like dude that's the deep sleep you want to get and and apparently like no that's like the last stage of your sleep that i remember randomly coming across a guy who said he would wake up set an alarm and then go back to sleep just to get like a little extra, like 45 minutes of REM sleep for the benefits. Really? Which I thought was interesting. Cause I was yeah, always yeah. a believer in like set an alarm, get up, like don't ever linger in bed and waste time between a wake and sleep state, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. That's huh. interesting. And then do you do like blue light blockers at night before you go to bed? Yeah. I of course jumped into the blue light game and I got, uh, what Iris on my laptop that I use. Mm-hmm. And if you've heard of that software. Yeah, I, I have it as well. Oh, cool. Um, it's funny. The similarities of things <laughs> come across in terms of little, little technologies and cool stuff, but yeah, the blue light, here's what I'm confused about, or I'm curious if you have a take on it. Like, dude, there's so many blue light blocking glasses out there. Like I want 
with a company blue blocker that I heard yeah. on one of these you know, podcasts that I listened to, they had a promo code, whatever I called it's from Australia. It came in, they were all right, but like the frames weren't much nicer than like, you know, I bought like a few pairs of like Amazon, like 10 to $20 range ones. Yeah. And they appear to not be any bit more sturdier or made of like material that makes them more robust. And so then it's what, okay, the technology is better, but then even that, like just looking at the glass and looking at each, when I look through them, they look similar. I mean, sure. yeah, there's backed up probably, I think they've done some independent research on their quality and like to, to show, Hey, we blocked specifically this frequency of light. Whereas like, you know, the ones from China on Amazon probably haven't done that research, but like if it's pretty basic technology to just put a certain filter lens over your glasses, like, I don't know if it's worth spending a hundred dollars on blue blockers when you can get $15 ones on Amazon. Yeah. I don't know. I have, I think mine are like, the forty dollars, so kind of mid-range ones, mm-hmm. but they're the they're the orange tinted. So, like looking at the TV, everything's totally different color, <laughs> um, and you look kind of funny. But yeah, they're the they're the completely orange ones. So, yeah, I yeah, told I'm, myself they they're gonna do better, but I don't know if they actually do. Um, it's just the ones that I went with, which is an interesting theme in like, um, it's an interesting theme in like a lot of the. Uh, the lifestyle practices uh, I've gotten into and it sounds like you're into as well. It's like, sometimes it's hard to know if they're working, if they're legitimate, if you're wasting your time, if you know, like, right. Like that's why like, yeah, some feedback things are helpful to see like, okay, if I'm going to start a new sleep routine, is it going to help or not? If you're not like measuring at some level, have something that you can track or, and otherwise it's just like, if you're doing multiple things at once, it's hard to tell which exactly which exactly. thing is moving the needle um, yeah, man. as I opposed to one individual. Yeah. Like, like in, uh, a, a good one is these adaptogenic uh, mushrooms, right? Mm-hmm. Jaga, reishi, lion's mane, cordyceps, turkey tail. I guess, like I got into that. I, I, you know, I was buying all the, ex- the powdered extracts. So I'd include them in my, in my coffees in the morning. I'll do lion's mane and yeah. uh, cordyceps. And in the evenings I usually like reishi, jaga, um, just cause from what I've read, that's a good split. Cause reishi is like, it, you know, sort of helps bring you down calming. and you're yeah, calming first in the, in the morning, the chaga and the cordyceps help sort of bring you up if you will. And lion's mane, I've heard is good for, um, the cardiovascular and, and like performance mm-hmm. maybe. <laughs> then also so, mental focus and clarity type things. Lion's mane. Yeah. Well. Yeah, exactly. So, but those are another one where like you start, you throw it in your diet and you're like, is this giving me a marginal improvement? Versus like if I just like was more strict about really making sure I wasn't eating vegetable oils or some processed junk over here, like Mm -hmm. I was just eliminating the things, the toxins I was putting in me versus putting in this other supplement, like which one is going to move my needle farther, right? Yeah. It's hard to tell. I I, I haven't come up with anything um, conclusive on that. Yeah. I I think some of it, and this is, I don't know, maybe controversial, but like, because you talk to some people who are like, you know, if you're scientific minded or, or engineer based, like we're very reductionist and we, we like to like see, have a cause and effect. So some, some of it, I honestly think is placebo that like, mm-hmm. if you start to make some of these things, your lifestyle and you're like, these mushrooms are going to help me. My taking magnesium before bed, like it's going to help me, uh, blue blockers, they're going to filter out the blue light, which is going to keep my, my melatonin production high and keep my circadian rhythm in mind. That's going to help me. Mm-hmm. And slowly you get into this mindset of like, I'm doing all these things to help me. And you get into like a productive stage where you like your belief in it all helps create 
what you want out of it, right? And do you like think manifesting that's, it. like even if even if it is placebo, I think it's somewhat worth it because then if it actually works, it turns out good in the end, right? Definitely. And like it gets into a very interesting like topic of like <laughs> Uh, yeah, the placebo effect, like the, the psychology and the like mind body connection of like believing in health and believing in yourself and like mm-hmm. whatever practices you're, you're doing are going to work are part of it. And dude, I, I love this example I heard on a uh, NPR uh, hidden brain podcast. I don't know if you listen to that ever, but they did a experiment where I, I forgot all the specifics, but I'll tell you what I remember. It was basically this uh, people that had like this arthritis in their knee mm-hmm. that required this very invasive surgery they ran an experiment where they said, okay, let's see, we're going to have three groups. One where we perform the full surgery, another one where we don't perform the surgery at all. And the, uh, the third one where we, you know, we cut them open, we simulate sounds and stuff while they're under and, uh, anesthetic or amnesia or whatever. Um, and so that the way they, they like tricks them. Right. And then we wanted to test afterwards, how you feel, uh, what, did you feel like you improved? Are you walking better? Blah, blah, blah. What they found was across the board, all three had very similar outcomes. Ones that they had full invasive surgery, cutting tissue. The other one where they didn't even, they just put them under, didn't cut anything. And the third where they, you know, they put them under, cut them open, sure. didn't, didn't still cut any tissue, but just cut them open. So they had a scar and stitches and all three had very similar results because they all three were told you've been had surgery on your sort of ailment is, is, is cured sort sure. of thing, which I thought yeah. was like super cool that like crazy that's that people did that and didn't tell them, Hey, we're going to cut you open. We're not going to do a surgery. I know. Right. Like they that's, didn't know uh, that. Yeah. But Hey, like that's in science and experimentation. It's like sometimes, uh, you can get into like, not, not that this one was, but you can get into some like, uh, like ethical lines of like, studies where you don't do something to someone or you do do something to another group that can mm-hmm. like it's for science and it's to learn okay if we don't give this person this drug uh like they may still get sick but it's for science to say okay yeah this legitimizes the drug that we should use it sort of thing yeah um i know you're into cold thermogenics cold immersion what have you done on that realm or what what have you learned from it cold thermogenics yeah that's a that's a fun one um, I think the basic, uh, lesson from that is just that idea of like, just pushing yourself a little bit, like, mm-hmm. uh, just like what, I guess mental discipline, as you know, being a, an athlete and like those days where you don't want to do stuff. Like if you regularly make it a habit that like when your first reaction to something is no, like, you know, we're humans, we seek comfort, but if you practice actively sitting in discomfort, I think it definitely makes you a stronger uh, human in all aspects of life mm-hmm. right and the cold thermogenesis is just a perfect example of that anyone yeah. who's ever hopped into a cold shower knows like you immediately want to turn that water warm but like so now like because uh yeah on my instagram the one you're talking about i think was that i had that cool picture of me just sitting in like this amazon tub i bought <laughs> that i would i would go to the gas station and pick up a bunch of ice bags and pour it in and then you know sit in that thing for 10 minutes and it was it was great it was hard getting in but after a minute dude like get used to it you can feel the blood just from your like extremities just coming into your core and i think that's some of the the positive benefits that i did some reading about was that just like it has an effect just on the circulation system the nervous system the lymphatic system digestive system, like all these systems yeah. that like when you put this right they call it like a, a hermetic stress on it, like an outside environmental stressor 
uh, obviously in a, in a controlled environment, right? Like um, you can sort of just impact the bi like the biology in a way that like you can't necessarily just do day to day or take a pill for, right? Like it's like a physical stress on like on the outside of the body that causes yeah. an internal sort of uh, reaction, right? And I definitely think from a, yeah, from like a physiological standpoint, it, it's, it's moving stuff around, right? Which we all know is just to get blood moving is always good. But then from the mental side of things, like just pushes you to like realize, okay, I'm not going to die. Uh, okay. If I just tune into my breathing, that's like one of the best ways I can like relax, it's like go to nasal breathing, close your eyes, take deep, slow breaths. And like, you re like realize, Oh wow. Like you almost have a little bit more control over your anatomy. Exactly. Um, and the mental piece, having the kind of mental override, the split second before you're going to do it, there's a point where you're like, I don't have to do it. I'm going to get out. Like I, I'm, I'm not even going to turn the shower, um, <laughs> nozzle to cold. I'm just going to stay warm. But then yeah. the physical act of either stepping in the tub or turning the knob to cold, being able to tell yourself, Hey, I'm going to mentally override what my body is telling me to do, I think has benefits in day-to-day -day life because whether it's you're, you want to eat like the pack of cookies that you have, but being able to mentally override yourself and say, no, I'm not, I probably shouldn't do eat the whole box of cookies. And, um, or if you're focusing on work, your phone's right there, you want to check it, but being able to mentally override yep going right for the phone and checking whatever is on the phone. That's what I mean, these little thing. habits. Yeah. These little habits and breaking them. Dude, habits are like what control our life. Right. Um, I actually was, I didn't finish. I'm, I'm terrible at finishing books, but I started this book, tiny habits. Um, and it was all about this. It was, I had this like map. They had this equation, right? B map behavior is motivation. Um, prompt and a was ability i believe okay it was like a behavior is essentially the combination of how motivated you are to do it the ability to do it and the prompt you have for it so in like motivation is feeble right like i could be excited to do a diet today but 30 day diet and by day four i lose my motivation but if the ability to do it is there i have all the food i've done the meal yeah. prep whatever the prompt is there it's right there in my kitchen there's a, you know someone checking in with me whatever it is right like I'm going to probably continue that behavior. So like, sure. yeah, dude, these, these little habits we, uh, we do and don't do also that made me think of this really cool quote. Um, that guy, Ben Pakulski, I was telling you about muscle intelligence. Uh, he quotes this guy, Victor Frankel, mm -hmm. if you ever heard of him. Um, but the quote is between stimulus and response. There is a space in that space is our power to choose our response in our response lies our growth and our freedom. So I think that's, yeah, pretty, pretty powerful yeah. quote with just what you just talked about with that, like having a small space between stimulus and response where you sort of choose what kind of person you are. Yeah. It's just, it's the, it's that split second of deciding whether or, or not, not you're, you're going to do, do one thing or do the other. Yeah, man. So which uh, which is huge. That's where it all lies, you know? Um, and then what about nutrition stuff? What are you doing currently? What, what, um, what kind of things are you interested in right now? So right now, um, you heard of the word cognitive dissonance? Yeah, I, I've seen you it a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like that feeling almost like paralysis by analysis, like 
so much info that you don't know what to believe and what's true and what isn't anymore. Like if you asked me three weeks ago, I would have told you I was like super confident on, yeah, dude, I got nutrition pretty much down. I understand some biochemistry. I understand some macronutrients, uh, you know, the basics of how metabolism works. Like, and this is how I think we should all eat. And in that case, I was like, we need to eat more, get our nutrition from animal products, need to minimize sugar, eat more healthy, saturated fats, uh, know your farmer, know your food source. Um, you know, don't overconsume calories if you're not mm-hmm. like exercising or, or some like on the back end, sort of like calories out sort of thing. Um, and then I started talking to these two girls that I'm, uh, pretty, um, I'm, I'm pretty friendly with on Instagram, the strong sisters. Um, super cool. They're into regenerative agriculture. They're big into health, fitness, wellness, the whole space. Sure. Uh, I'm, I met them at a farm in uh, Bluffton, Georgia, White Oak Pastures. Um, as part of a carnivore uh, carnivore weekend with Paul Saladino. I got to meet mm-hmm. Paul Saladino sitting on a live podcast. Super cool. Met this whole community of carnivores, right? Um, well, I was following these girls and they were, they were big in the carnivore lifestyle, uh, right? Eating nose to tail carnivore. I'm sure you've heard of that. Um, and this is, this, I definitely think carnivore is a, like a, like a tool people can use as a restrictive diet to like really benefit from, right? Yeah. Eliminate a lot of uh, potentially um, plant foods or that could be uh, like, exist on the toxicity spectrum that can maybe be inflammatory, autoimmune causing to certain people. Right. Um, but then these girls, as we're talking regularly, they introduced me to this guy, Ray Pete and the Ray Pete diet. Okay. <laughs> and like, I, I hate to be the, the, the dude who's just jumping from one ship to another, but like, sure. again, I think back to like, all right, I'm a self experimenter. I'm, I'm never going to assume that I know all the information and the only way I can know how it's going to affect me in my own bio individuality is by trying it. Right. So in the repeat diet, and I don't fully understand it yet. It's, I've got a brand new uh, on this, on this, on this plunge, but um, it's basically, so I used to be, like I said, like very much fat fueled, like mm-hmm. I was putting MCT in my coffee in the morning, it's bacon and eggs, avocado, uh, salmon, cheese, cream, like the whole deal and minimizing my sugar intake and my carbohydrate intake uh, while still exercising regularly. Yeah. Now I'm trying to include some, I still include all my nutrient dense foods uh, and that's where I get my nutrients from. Right. And I, I, I look at those like pastured animals, man. I'm big on that. Big on like animals that were raised the way they were meant to be. Right. Cows that live in pasture, pigs that live in forests, uh, right. Chickens that grub on like bugs and, and yeah. you know, all that stuff. Right. Basically the farm boy diet um, to get all your nutrients. And then uh, for now, my energy I'm trying out, I include a little bit more, basically simple, simpler sugar, simpler carbohydrates. So like mango, pineapple, honey, um, just some stuff that like while I'm eating, uh, I'll throw those in. So it's like basically from my understanding, and I've seen some people with like blood, continuous blood glucose monitors that like when you eat something sugary by itself, like if you ate a bowl of pineapple by itself, mm-hmm. you're going to get a huge blood sugar response that you can visually see on this continuous blood glucose monitor. As soon as you add protein to that, uh that that meal it blunts it uh in like, conjunction so, with it at the same time in conjunction with it and i'm trying to understand why uh that's why i'm you know interested in the biochemistry and stuff but sure for the most part i think it just helps slow down the digestion right which makes sense so you don't get a huge dump of sugar in your stomach and a huge insulin dump and you just have this volatile metabolism going on instead you kind of eat the way sort of probably it made sense to eat you know no one maybe eight in isolation, uh, right. You might include, include 
proteins with your carbs with a little bit of fat mm-hmm. and then uh hopefully it kind of blunts that whole response so i'm so i'm trying it out now i'm, I'm slowing down my fat intake uh, i'm not really tracking much uh, i've never really tracked uh, in, right. in any of my dieting uh, i just kind of go off of if i'm hungry i eat um i have done some fasting just to test that out see how i feel on that do you right enjoy now, it? it's definitely fasting is an interesting one um because like i'll I was doing intermittent fasting for a bit and then like, you know, uh, you, you know, AJ from, from where we graduated from mm-hmm. the Academy. Yeah. Yutka, um, for all your listeners out there, he's got a great page, super knowledgeable dude. Uh, what human optimized, I think is his Instagram tag. But so I regularly talk with him. He's big on fasting, he's big on health, wellness. Um, but yeah, he'll do these long fasts and he can, we can, we've talked about that a little bit. And I've, I've heard other people do these longer fasts. The longest one I've done, is just over like 48 hours or so. Okay. Um, so probably like 50 to 60 hours. And I almost like it just cause it, it re like sensitizes me to the, um, like the, the awesomeness that is food. Right. It's like, we're, it's so easy. Like especially in quarantine, I'm sure everyone just like, dude, it's a, it's a, it's a arm's length away to grab exactly. any tasty treats. You can Uber eat shit to your house. Like <laughs> calories have never been easier to get. Right. So if you can just abstain from that for 48 hours, just to sh- like one, it tells yourself like, oh, like I don't die after four hours of not eating, right? Like that hangriness that comes in, like that's like, it may not be a biological trigger that, hey, you're dying. It's just like, you're so conditioned to eat. Your body's like, hey, put food in me again. This is when you normally put food in me, right? Did you, did you exercise during that time? I would, if I was going to exercise, very low impact uh right like probably lower heart rate rate, like stuff maybe like a walk or some stretching some yoga right stuff that like you're going into a like a fasted probably maybe even like a ketogenic state your maybe your metabolism is slowing a little bit but i like to end it aj talks about this end it with a with a big lift Mm -hmm. not like an intense high intensity lift right where you're sweating and you're breathing hard but like put some good weight and like move it around because I, i i think the idea is your body upregulates its uh, like like human growth factor and and some of those uh, what uh, anabolic processes that are gonna like that you can really uh, what utilize right to 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 see some serious benefit yeah and that's me trusting the process because it's hard again the whole feedback like you know I just hear it from others so I'm like ah let's 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 try it out and see if it works and I feel good after it and then you eat a nice big meal and you're like dude dude <laughs> it's delicious I missed you. I, I've done the 24 hour, just like one day eat dinner and then don't eat until the next dinner. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've found like, I I feel good after, after or throughout the whole day. And then once you eat, but I've found that I struggle getting the same amount of food in, in that one meal for that one day. Does that make sense? Yeah. So So you're talking about like sit there and just eat, 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 eat. And yeah, get like the volume eventually yeah. of your stomach just so, reaches capacity. You can't fit any more food. I what I've found is for me doing like consistently twelve hours or twelve to sixteen hours between dinner and then the next morning breakfast, um, really just helps me feel better in my body day to day. Um, after eating. Yeah. And I think people are pretty familiar probably with intermittent fasting. That's sort of the new, uh, a new trend. Um, and then just picking different like uh, fast and feasting windows. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there's definitely some benefit. Just the idea of like, 
you know, like hermetic stress, as we talked about that, right? It's like a dietary restriction is kind of a hermetic stress. It's like that's been shown, I think, over the course of your life. If you have periods of not eating, it's like it's like the belief that your body sometimes does better with less inputs. People always yeah. think like I need to I need to give it stuff. I need to give it building blocks and bricks to build things. And it's like people forget that like your body has a lot of that. That's what like body fat is, right? And that's what the liver stores some stuff. And there's all these stored materials that when we just constantly consume, they don't get used. We just pack on extra material. They store mm -hmm. toxins, right? So if you give your body a chance where you don't give it anything and you can get past that first mental hurdle of, oh, shit, I need to eat, I need to eat, it can use some of that stuff, right? I think that's, you've heard of like autophagy, yeah. right? It's like cellular cleanup. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so like utilizing some of those is definitely like one of those traumatic stresses that like you lessen the input that your body has to like sort of filter and break down and turn into stuff, it can use what's on hand. Um, and the body's amazing, man. It's resilient as hell. <laughs> Would you say there's anything that you've done that has really made the biggest difference in your health wellness path? Is there any, any one thing or no? Um, it's hard to point at one thing, right? Cause as we talked about, I've done so many there, I've been trying different things. Uh, so yeah. I think obviously mind, mindset's a big one of like constantly being hungry to and 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 curious is is a huge thing i think um but just some actual uh things i've done dry needling have you ever done that no Are you familiar with that no not at all oh you'd love this dude so dry needling is essentially I, so you could do it at physical therapy mm -hmm. and so you'll find a physical therapist who's who's certified in dry needling and what they do is they essentially as it sounds take a needle like an acupuncture type of needle very skinny very thin Sure. And so my, for me, my shoulders, right? I get impingements on certain range of motion in my shoulders. I want to increase my mobility, my flexibility, my strength, my just capacity for, for, for doing, right? When it comes to anything shoulder related. Well, I have certain injuries in my past and chronic stress and, and poor movements that I've now built into a habit that I want to like alleviate. But my mm -hmm. shoulders sometimes just can't do it. And some of it is like this very tense muscle tissue, like specific fibers in the muscle that are just stuck and they're just holding on to this tension. Maybe other fibers around it are compensating. So what the physical therapist will do is they'll help find some of those trigger points. For me, it's like definitely my rear deltoids and, and I don't know the name of some of those muscles, but it's like, yeah, I'm, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm on my back there. They'll find them and I could do, they get a needle in and then it starts firing. So that particular muscle fiber, they'll find it and you'll feel it. It starts just like, like almost like a, like a muscle spasm occurs. Mm -hmm. But what it's doing is it's releasing the tension and it's essentially um, like little micro tears, a little bit of like, like, like micro trauma, if you will. Right. That's going to do what the body does best. It then brings in blood. It increases circulation and you're kind of disrupting the, what the fascia yeah. and stuff and, and, and like allowing that nervous system to sort of take over and, basically like reacquaint itself with whatever this location was that was, uh, that was causing this, this stress and pain. And dude, I like, that was the best thing I could have done for my shoulders to be honest. Really? Like I did that for a few months and like, now I look at it like maintenance. Like if I could probably for the rest of my life, I would dry needle once a week. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I found Big fan of that. for me, I haven't done it in a while because of the whole Corona thing. And, um, but I went to a chiropractor for a couple of times Mm -hmm. And that, that really helped me just, I felt more aligned. I felt like yeah. 
I felt like there was more space for me to like to move, move rotationally and whether I was lifting, I felt just like the yeah. joints were lubricated, I guess you could say. Yeah, definitely. He felt um, looser. Yeah. I'm a big fan of, I've done chiropractors, physical therapists, anyone that understands the body, the anatomy and like how important movement and posture and, and like, and gives you like practical, practical like action items to do that like sure. now every morning like I wake up and like do shoulder and hip openers because I know like I'm gonna feel better throughout my day and over the course of my life mm-hmm. I'll be more durable right like they say like what sitting is a new smoking or whatever like we sit a lot we don't move as much as we used to and then like even t- like talking with uh, what was that guy's name you had on uh, before that we were talking about before the podcast uh, Kelly Strat yeah Kelly Strat dude he he was like hitting he was just throwing out nuggets of wisdom in, in that, in that podcast about all this stuff. Um, but like, but yeah, like if you can, if you can find, like you said, a chiropractor that just like helps you understand how important, like what do we worked out in weight rooms for, for years without mm-hmm. like, like what about no load? Like you're just, it's just you, your body. Can you put it in positions using certain muscular groups, muscle chains yeah. and core. And a lot and, of guys who are like, you'd be shocked how many athletes, who are good on the can't. field can't get into a full squat. They can't put their Dude. shoulder, their arms over the overhead. It's yeah, man. crazy. Ankle mobility and like what people are all excited to get like sexy superficial abs, but like those transverse abdominals, like beneath like mm-hmm. your true core, which yeah. like you can only activate doing like bridge poses. And like, that's something I've gotten interested in actually recently is like calisthenics Sure. And like gym, gymnastic type movements, like ring, ring workouts and, and like handstand workouts. And, um, cause you don't even need weight, dude. It's just like hold it. You know, I weigh 185 pounds. Like that's my weight, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to so just hold that up in different positions. Like, I mean, that's, that's yoga. That's uh, right. That's all these different, like, like just stabilization, posture, um, benefiting movements yeah. that I think are so key that like, I've definitely transitioned away from the meathead. Let's lift more weight because <laughs> it, because I'm vain and you know, I want to slap iron around to like, Hey, what am I going to be able to do for the rest of my life? That's not only going to make me feel better, but going to increase my lifespan sort of yeah. thing. And without the range of motion in your joints, you one, you'll be more prone to injury and two, you won't be able to get into the positions that doing those things require. So yes. Definitely. That's so key, man. Are you currently reading or learning anything in particular right now? Uh, let's see. So I am a few things. And like I said, I'm not great at finishing stuff. It's like my, my ADD mindset. I get so excited for something until I find that new exciting something that, Oh, let me jump on that. Let me jump on that. Um, but some of those, some of the things I'm reading, uh, Joel Salatin beyond mm-hmm. labels. He's this uh, sort of, <laughs> libertarian pastor farmer or sorry preacher farmer in uh in Shenandoah Valley Virginia and what I think he's been called the most famous farmer in the world sort of thing he does he just talks and and hosts seminars like all over the world he's, he's been on Joe Rogan a few times mm-hmm. um really cool dude really smart dude like just very connected between like the earth health the body food um and so, yeah, he's written, he's an author as well. So he's written some books. So right now I'm reading Beyond Labels, which is just all about, you know, <laughs> when we see things like organic and free range and, 
natural? Like what do those words truly mean? And him being a farmer and he brought in a, like a certified nutritionist and so sure. a scientific perspective. And it's just like, again, going down that rabbit hole of like what truly, like what do we eat and what's in the food we eat? Like that's, this is another great book and this is a great author who, uh, who talks a lot about that. Um, so I'm a big fan, big fan of that one. Um, uh, on my book, Paul, Sorry, Paul Check, he talks a lot about how there are now so many different companies that are involved in the word organic and they can kind of create their own certified organic label and yeah. then slap it on whatever, say chicken breast, and then whatever their criteria are to meet that, their version of organic, they put it on that label and then people buy it thinking that it's certified organic but it's only certified organic under those conditions. Yeah, um, if you look at, I think I'm, I think I, know, I listened to the one you're talking about where he was like, if you look at the sponsors of who certifies organic now and, and who writes sort of the, the law, the rules on that, yeah. it's still like the Nestle's and the Cokes and the, and the big, big, big food, mm-hmm. right? That, that, that is doing that because like organic used to mean the little farmer, who grew everything with just using the land, you know, didn't need any chemical fertilizers, pesticides, herbicides, insecticides, yeah. any of that. Right now, organic just means, okay, here are the organic, here are the organic <laughs> insecticides, pesticides, herbicides, chemicals you can use. Mm-hmm. So like, it's kind of been, there's this term in, in food called greenwashing um, that I learned about, but it's like the idea of basically diluting a, of like a word like organic or natural natural doesn't mean shit anymore man like yeah you have natural flavors in in a food the list of natural flavors like to get it fda like it's not even like fda like regulated they just say like as long as you deem it safe for human consumption it's safe for human consumption and then the companies will just what hire some third party to say yes this is safe for human consumption maybe they do a short trial or maybe they don't maybe they don't and they just now they don't even have to list it just put it under natural flavors natural flavors yeah and or even artificial flavors like this food's written with that on it right so forget sugar and forget all these things we can pronounce like mm-hmm. some of the shit isn't even listed on there right and so like <laughs> it's just i don't know man it's it's crazy when you when you when you go into that rabbit hole of uh just like yeah labels and what they what they actually mean like what's in your food yeah and so that's why i'm a big fan of like uh i just found a, a site called farmmatch.com but the other ones like eatwild.com um that sort of they're like almost like databases or they, or they accumulate food producers in your mm-hmm. area or at least resources for you to go find those. And it's like, people just think kind of a food is like, Oh, I got a Harris teeter down the road, a Trader Joe's down the road, maybe a Publix, whatever part of the country you're in. Right. Sure. That's my grocery store. That's where I get food. And, and like, while they're, yeah, like there's some good food in there for sure. Um, but like to support local small farmers because mm-hmm. like, that used to be the norm a hundred years ago. And now it is the opposite of the norm. And I think that's where true health lies is like getting back in touch with that, that like food supply chain, like shorten that, shorten that supply chain to, to 20 miles in between you and one individual. Right. Yeah. And I think there's a lot to say to eating food that was grown in your like longitude, latitude in your time zone, in, in your the, local region, in the local region that you are mm-hmm. currently living in because that's the mm-hmm. things that the bees pollinated and that's what are in your area to kind of help your immune system or the grass that the cows ate are in your environment that you're currently living. I think there's a lot Agreed. to say about that. And that's definitely like even that mindset that implies food is inherently biological, right? 
because to get the benefits of local bees from your from your sort of area into your body that means whatever they're producing whatever microorganisms they're putting in the food the probiotics or whatever the fungi the mm-hmm. right that's getting into you that food needs to be raw unfiltered unpasteurized for you to actually see the benefit because yeah. if it goes through the processing that cleans and sterilizes our food right like that's kind of how our country looks at safe food is sterilize it, put in a chlorine bath, put preservatives in it to make it shelf stable. And now people can be healthy. Right. Yeah. And it's like, no, <laughs> like it may be the raw milk. It may be the, the raw honeys and the, you know, raw unfiltered, whatever that, that is, that actually contains the, the, the micro life that you're going to yeah. now fill. We know so much now, only in the last, what, 10, 15 years about like the microbiome and there's still way more to learn, but that whole gut brain connection and it being the second brain. And we have, dude, we're like 99% bacteria by, by DNA. You know, mm-hmm. like we're like, <laughs> we are a macro organism, right? We contain just billions of little guys that just <laughs> consume whatever we give them. And we're just a walking vehicle that just lets them all interact with each other. So yeah. like, it's not until you start to, sort of even begin to understand what the hell that means that you can now go, okay, now I understand why I can't just eat whatever it is, right? Pastured milk that just is sugar water or sure. whatever shit eggs are at the, oh, it's, they're a dollar for those eggs. I'm going to get those. Well, mm-hmm. they've all been bathed in chlorine and eggs are porous. They're going to have some of that in there sort of thing. Um, have you, have you heard of findaspring.com? Dude, I've heard of that, but I haven't actually used it. Have you? So, um, so Daniel Vitalis, he lives up in Maine. Uh, he's done a lot with kind of eating from your local environment, but he started the findaspring.com. And when we were up in Oregon, we found a spring right on the roadside and you just kind of go up, fill up a big thing of water. Mm-hmm. Um, the water from there was unlike any other water Amazing. you've ever drinking. Yeah. Like, better than filtered water from like the tap, better than bottled water, better than the and you didn't even run it through anything. You just fresh out of the spring, just can, can step fresh on out it. Of the spring. Like there's a little spigot that somebody put there. Um, and we just, we would go fill up these big five gallon jugs and it would last us for about a week and then, or a week and a half. And then we would go back whenever we ran out and get more water. Dude. Uh, I looked in my air and the closest one of course is like, 50 miles away yeah but but I, yeah dude that's that's amazing uh have you ever heard of stru- structured water mm-hmm. i don't fully understand what that is but they call it like the fourth phase of water and i yeah. think when water runs through springs and sort of reacquaints with back with the earth sort of thing uh it gets restructured and i think that's probably what you're drinking there yeah anything that um go like flows through rocks like any river water Mm-hmm. Because of the vortex that it creates, that's Ooh. what structures the water. Um, that's cool. And they and I think the water in your body is all structured water because when you drink it, it gets structured through the cell membranes and things. Okay. Um, so is structuring a physical uh, thing that that has to occur, not like a chemical or or you no, know, it needs some input ingredients to become structured. It's 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 more of a like a crystalline type of like exactly. pressure induced or like you said, like velocity vortex mm. induced thing that occurs. Yeah. I, I believe so. I'd have to do a little more research on it, but yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 
I believe too. it's how the cells, like, because it's still H2O, but it's mm -hmm. how the cells orient um, themselves, orient themselves with, with each other that structures it into a certain uh, form. Hmm. Yeah, dude. That's like one of those things where you look at like water and you're like, it's water. Water's water, right? It's yeah. Two hydrogen molecules and an oxygen. Like, why get complicated about it? Then you realize, like, oh, there's so much more to that. And it's like this essential nutrient of life. And people have written books on it yeah. from thousands of years ago that, you know, that knowledge has been lost sort of thing. And now we just, it just, it just goes through your local municipal water treatment. And it's got, dude, I, I took in grad school, I took an environment in my environmental engineering degree that I did. Mm -hmm. um, I took a physiochemical principles class, which is essentially sure. just water treatment, right? Physical properties and chemical properties of, of, of water. And we got to go and visit a water treatment plant. And like, it's like an eight stage process and it's pretty complicated, but like, it is interesting that like, you know, yeah, it's, it works. And like the water we get comes in with all these tiny from dust to silt to bacterial. But then like we introduce stuff like chlorine and stuff where like we just think of chlorine as this disinfection product, but it creates what's called these disinfection byproducts that chlorine binds to these like long yeah. hydrocarbon chains and like creates these new structures that never really existed years and years ago when we just drank from springs. And then that combined with like the fact that we can't remove some stuff from our waters, like, like estrogen, like uh, just various pharmaceutical drugs that get sort of flushed down the toilets that enter the water system. Right. And, never really leave it and they just slowly accumulate and I'm sure people have heard of microplastics and i don't know man it's just like it was wild to sit there and like see how the water was treated knowing that and the, the the end product still really isn't yeah it's technically free of yeah particulate matter that you're mm -hmm. going to not drink dirt which is great <laughs> that's i mean that's a good start right um but it's not like it's this pure like nutritional sort of thing that's going to fill you with life and that in yeah. fact it may be another toxin like that's in small doses over time that just builds up in your system. Is there anything you do on a day-to-day -day basis to ensure you're better than you were the next day? That is a good question. Let me, let me think on that one. Um, well, we, yeah, we talked about some of that, uh, right. Is that, I mean, I definitely wake up. I like to get a morning stretch in cause I think I definitely think to like, yeah, like why do I do any of this stuff? I think it's always for the tomorrow. It's like mm -hmm. having a future self that's better than today's self and knowing that to get there lies in today, right? Yeah. Like the actions you take today form that future better self. So it's so like, if you can imagine, okay, what does future Mason like want, want to look like or need to look like? And then how do I get there? Okay, cool. I need to, I need to do these certain things. I need to like, at the very least, like I said, be curious and always seeking information. Cause like, <laughs> thinking I, I know the answers or I have an idea, like you start to like, it's right. The old, the old saying, the more, you know, the more you realize you don't know mm -hmm. anything. Exactly. So just staying curious, continually like, like having, Oh, I got to read that. I got this podcast on the queue to listen to. Um, even like, I think a big one is I was thinking about this today when I was texting a buddy. Uh, Cause you know, we do like biweekly little phone calls where we'll like check in buddy from high school, like sure. having stuff like that. Uh, we talked about this idea of like social pressure accountability. Mm -hmm. It's like, if I know I got a two, um, like, you know, a little friendly phone meeting with a, with a, with a, with a homie, like, I want to be able to tell him like, Oh, Hey, I'm better than I was two weeks ago, bro. I've, I, I did this this weekend. Like I challenged myself. I want, 
I met this, uh, like I went to this event or I went on this awesome hike or, you know, I practiced this consistently for two weeks. Sure. So it's like, I want to show up to that phone call saying I did something, not just, Oh, Hey, I didn't really do shit. I sat on my ass and, you know, binge some Netflix. Mm-hmm. Like that's great. And, and all, but like, I'm not improving, you know? So like adding in even just that little amount of just like, yeah, I, I'm calling it social pressure accountability, but just like committing to things to others so that you're not letting them down, but you're also not letting yourself down because it's easy to like make a goal. And then, you know, no one's accountable for your goal when you're an adult. It's only you, but if you I can think, help create a little community, then maybe, maybe someone, some others will encourage you. Yeah. And I think as we grow up, we have to seek out those um, environments because we grew up playing sports and like say at the academy, if you didn't show up and practice and if you didn't go into the weight room the next day and try and get better, people knew that and they knew you weren't doing what needed to be done to get better and say, score more goals or lift heavier weights, things like that. Once we're out of those environments, we have to like seek, seek the people that will keep us, try and keep us accountable. Yeah. I definitely, that's a really good message. Um, Cause you're right. Like once you leave that structured environment, Mm -hmm like that, that, that worked for a reason. And so it's like, you need to kind of re- recreate that yourself. Um, you know, go out there and, and, and yeah, make that, make that a thing in, in, yeah. in your own life. So you can continue that uh, benefiting and progressing and growing. Definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you for coming on the show. I couldn't be happier to sit down and talk with you and kind of figure out what you're doing to be, to be a better Mason and be better yourself. And, really happy to learn a few things today so thank you awesome and thanks for having me it was fun talking yeah definitely thank you so much for listening to this episode with mason tautry i Really enjoyed the conversation that I had, and I hope you did as well. Um, If you haven't already, please leave a rating on iTunes. It really helps other people gain visibility on the show so they can listen to it as well. And also consider subscribing so you don't miss an episode in the future. Um, Really grateful to have you here. Grateful to have you listening. And I will see you here next week on The Core.